Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start with verse 1. Thank you for your anointing, Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 1, if you've been with us, we've been doing a series on heaven. And if you miss any of that series, you can find it online on our YouTube channel as well as on our Faith Plus app. We put all of our messages out there for free so you can listen to them again and again and grow in your faith. And so I'm not going to do any review today, but I'm going to jump right in to what the Holy Ghost has for us, going to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And so I was, knew I was heading in this direction, but wasn't sure how I was going to start the message. But, you know, yesterday I was just woke up in the morning, was praying in the Spirit and drinking my coffee, and this scripture rose up in my heart. I knew this is exactly where we're supposed to start. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So Paul says, you know what? You guys have really pushed me to it. I don't like to boast about what I've encountered with God, but I'm about to tell you about what I've experienced with God. I'm going to go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. Say visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, Paul talks about himself, but he uses a very interesting language to talk about himself because of the experience he encountered. He says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows such as one caught up to the third heaven. The third heaven's the one where God resides. Another translation uses that of caught up says hijacked. Think about that. Think about the strength of that language. That Paul is saying, I don't actually know whether I was in my physical body or I was out of my physical body. I, I still don't know to this day, 14 years later, but I was caught up, I was hijacked to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knows how that he was caught up into paradise. We talked about paradise in this series, what it is. And heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. The Amplified Classic Edition says it this way, was caught up into paradise, and he heard utterances beyond the power of man to put into words, which man is not permitted to utter. The Amplified says, was caught up into paradise and her inexpressible words, which man is not permitted to speak, words too sacred to tell. The New Living Translation is that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. Now go with me to Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Visions and revelations of the Lord. Throughout the scripture, you'll see times where God gives people visions of heaven, visions of his throne, insight into what goes on up there. And we've been talking a lot about heaven, but now we're about to talk about the throne. Notice what the psalmist says in Psalm 97. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Well, let's do that. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. We rejoice in you, Lord. Hallelujah. So in the midst of everything that goes on, we have a reason to rejoice because the Lord reigns. Now, I didn't say, well, God is in control of everything. I didn't say that. I said he reigns over everything, which means his authority is greater than anything else that shows up in your life. But if you give control to the enemy, then the Lord's not in control of that situation because you gave that control away. But if you ever step up and stand up and says, it stops here, I have authority in the name of Jesus, and you begin to rule and reign over that situation, you'll see a difference. 
It says, let the multitude of isles or the islands be glad. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. So when it looks at the throne of God, the psalm says clouds and darkness are about him. Well, what does that mean? Because we know God is light. How can darkness be around him? Well, the message version puts it this way. Bright clouds and storm clouds circle around him. Right and justice anchor his rule. So around the throne, there are bright clouds and thunderstorm clouds. You see in the book of Revelation how thunder and lightning proceeds from the throne on a regular basis. Go with me to Exodus chapter 19. I want to give you a glimpse of the throne of God today. Exodus 19, verse 16. Exodus chapter 19, excuse me, verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, and Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. So we see a picture of heaven. Now we see when God sat down on Mount Sinai. And the same things they saw in heaven were now on earth. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood far off. Notice, they describe two things you usually can't see. You can't see thunder. You can't see noise. But what was coming from God was so loud and so marvelous and so mysterious they could see it. And the people stood afar off. Some of you would too. It was like, oh yeah, that's nice. Real nice from back here. And Moses drew near into the thick darkness or the storm clouds where God was. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 5. Those storm clouds, bright clouds of heaven, Upon Mount Sinai, we'd also see it in the Temple of Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were with the singers, and all of them, unless all of those who were arrayed together in white linen, having cymbals and music instruments, where they stood as 120 priests sounding with trumpets. And it came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments and music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever that then the house was filled with a cloud, 
even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by the reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So the cloud that was around the throne in heaven, that was present on Mount Sinai, now fills the temple of Solomon. And the cloud was so strong that the priest could not move. If they were seated on the ground, they couldn't get up because of how strong the cloud was and the power that radiated from that cloud. First Kings chapter 8 tells the same story. It says in verse 10, And it came to pass when the priest would come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Then spake Solomon, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. So this is a cloud talking about the thick darkness around the throne, the cloud. So eventually when people could move again, the king stood up and says, well, the Lord did tell us that he would dwell in the storm clouds. What are we seeing here? The atmosphere of heaven on earth. See, Nahum chapter 1 verse 3 says, The Lord is slow to anger. Anybody glad about that? He is slow to anger. I am so great. And great in power. And when that all quit the wicked, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So it's describing how when God shows up and what his throne is like, it's like a whirlwind. It's like a storm. And it says the clouds are like the dust of his feet. Imagine walking through a dusty place. And when you walk through, there's a lot of dust around your feet. If you walk through a desert area and there's a lot of sand, imagine the dust, the sand would kick up. When God walks through a place, the cloud of glory picks up. The wind of God is there. The storm of God is there. The same thing that's around the throne comes on earth. When you talk about this whirlwind, this storm of wind, it says in Job 38 verse 1 that the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Because, you know, Job and his friends were talking a whole bunch. They all had a lot to say. Some of it's good, some of it's not. Some of it's wisdom, some of it's not. Some of it applies, some of it doesn't. And then the youngest one says, you know what? I didn't talk this whole time. And it was a day, so I didn't talk this whole time because I thought wisdom comes with age, but I see that it's not always the case. And then he begins to speak the actual wisdom of the Lord. And then after that, God shows up and says, I got something to say. And when God talks, he was talking out of a whirlwind. What we see on heaven, we see it on earth. Go to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Notice this encounter Isaiah had. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. 
Above it stood seraphims, which is a class of angels. Each of these seraphims had six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they did fly. And one cried unto another and said. Now notice, the angel, the seraphim, is talking to the other seraphim. And notice their conversation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now what's another way to translate the Lord of hosts? The God of angel armies. So they're talking in reference to one of their relationship with God. The angel is a part of the host and said, holy, holy, holy is our God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. You think these angels have been with God for a long time now. And in their conversation at the throne, they're still talking about God's holiness. So, whoa, there's a lot of things about him, but holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the God of angel armies. Holy, holy, holy. This is also how this is translated. The God who can marshal all the forces of heaven and earth together to make an army. The whole earth is full of his glory. And notice what happened at the praise of the angel. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with what? Smoke. So imagine if you had experience like Paul and Isaiah and were hijacked to the third heaven. And the first thing you see is God on his throne and these angels having this conversation. And then everything around you begins to shake and everything feels like smoke, fills with smoke. You would respond like Isaiah. Woe is me, oh my God. I am undone. I'm done, I'm done for. I'm done for, it's over. It is over for me. He says, because I'm a man of unclean lips, I've been saying some stuff recently that I shouldn't be saying. And I dwell with people who definitely talk in a way they shouldn't be talking. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal, a fiery coal in his hand. And when he had taken the tongs from the altar, remember we talked about there's an altar in heaven. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and the iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, here I am, send me. Hey, I'm here. Me, me. Who's going to go? Me. I volunteer. This experience changed Isaiah. It changed the way he talked. See, there are encounters with God that will change you, that will mark you, that will change the way you talk. It'll change the authority you have in your voice. I remember a time I was in Argentina, the first time I was down there. And the pastor's wife family prayed for me, and the glory of God was so strong in that building that I remember one time I was getting off the floor because, you know, I fell a lot that day. And I was getting off the floor, and it was the closest experience I could relate to what Isaiah had about a coal being into your mouth because it felt like my whole face was shaking, that my tongue inside my mouth was shaking because of the presence of the glory of God. Go to Genesis 15. The smoke filled the house. We've seen the cloud fill houses. Now we see the smoke fill the throne room. Can we see that on earth somewhere? 
Genesis 15, verse 17. This is a time when God is cutting the covenant with Abraham. Abraham had prepared the sacrifices, and later that evening, it says, God comes down, and when it came to pass, and when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. The best way Abraham and Moses could describe God's glory was it looked like a flaming torch, a smoking lamp, and smoke was ascending out of it, and it walked through those pieces. The custom in that day was after you cut covenant, you would spread the pieces of the sacrifice, and the two people who cut the covenant will walk through it. Abraham had walked through it, and now God had came down to do his part and walk through the cut covenant in a form of fire with smoke ascending. As we read in Exodus 19, 18, it says, Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. Now let's look at Exodus 24, 17. We see this glorious smoke in heaven. We've seen it on earth. Now Exodus 24, 17, I'm going to look at it from the New Living Translation. It said, to the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. So when the Israelites looked at Mount Sinai, the bottom of the mountain looked like it was on fire. That's how it appeared to them. See, Daniel, when he saw a vision of the throne in the midst of his vision of other things, in chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, the New Living Translation, it says, I watched as the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient One, or Ancient of Days, it says in the King James, sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, and his hair like the purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session, and the books were opened. And so what is the way Daniel describes his vision of the throne? Fire. What do the Israelites see on Sinai? Fire. Now, Ezekiel has this experience in chapter 1, Ezekiel's just outside by a river. And you see in verse 4 of Ezekiel chapter 1, we'll read it from the New Living Translation. As I looked, I saw a great storm coming from the north, a storm cloud again, driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightning and shone with bright light. There was fire inside the cloud, and the metal of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. So he sees this coming his way. Some of you saw that coming your way. You were like, well, not me. And then it begins to explain what's coming with it. It begins to describe another class of angels called the living creatures and describe what they look like. They're glorious and mysterious, and they just look different. They have four faces. He's describing all these things. So we can skip through that description and get to verse 22. He says, spread out above them the living creatures in this manifestation he saw. He said it was like the sky, glittering like crystal. Beneath the surface, the wings of each living being stretched out to touch the other wings, and each had two wings covering its body. As they flew, their wings sounded to me like the waves crashing against the shore, or like the voice of the Almighty, or like the shouting of a mighty army. When they stopped, they let down their wings, and as they stood with their wings lowered, a voice spoke 
from beyond the crystal surface above them. And this surface was something that looked like a throne made of blue lapis lazuli. So one of the things you'll see when it describes the throne here in Revelation, it looks like precious gems. And on this throne high above was a figure whose appearance resembled a man. From what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like gleaming amber flickering like fire. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame shining with splendor. All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. When I saw it, I fell face down on the ground, and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. Notice what Ezekiel saw. We already talked about the dedication of Solomon's temple. After Solomon stood up and said a few things, he prayed. Now notice what happened after Solomon finished pray, uh, praying, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. You can go there with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from where? Heaven. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. It had filled the Lord's house again. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. We see that fire that accompanies God, the fire that's in heaven, that fire fell to earth. But we also saw it happen again on the day of Pentecost. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look with it at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. We've talked about that wind and that sound already. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of what? fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance fire in heaven fire on earth go to Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 we've seen fire in heaven fire on earth, the wind in both places, the smoke in both places the cloud in both places, the lightnings in both places the thundering in both places. Notice John's account when he saw heaven. He said, After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it was a trumpet talking with me, which says, Come up here, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burned before the throne, 
which are the seven spirits of God. It's the seven different manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And he said, well, what is the sea of glass? We haven't seen that before. Well, when you study scriptural interpretation, when there's a sea mentioned in scripture, there's always a name associated with it. But when there's not a name associated with it, it's talking about a large group of people, a multitude of people. So before this glorious throne, there is a sea of people, and it resembles glass. What you see later in Revelation, it says glass mingled with fire. Who is that? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ gathered before his throne. So pure, they're transparent. It's not talking about they, you can just see right through them. Their purity was on such a level, you see through it like you're looking through it from glass. Well, how can people be that pure? The blood of Jesus. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Did such a good job that before the throne, it's called a sea of glass. Like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts. These are like the living creatures Ezekiel saw, full of eyes before and behind in the first and describes this beast that they're flying, what they look like. And they say they didn't stop day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The Lord God Almighty, the Almighty God, El Shaddai himself, when it says, which was, which is, which is to come, what is it talking about? It's referencing what God told Moses in Exodus. I am that I am. I shall be who I shall be. This is what they're echoing before the throne. The great I am. The great almighty God. Holy, holy, holy is he. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who lives forever and ever, then the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things. And for your pleasure, they were created. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter Verse 18, for you are not coming to the mount that might be touched, that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sounds of a trumpet, the voice of the words which voice they heard, begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. We read about that in Exodus. This is the glory on Sinai. For they could not endure that which was commanded. If so much a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so awesome was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Moses, the man who knew God better than anybody else saw it and began to shake. But you are coming to Mount Zion. So what Moses saw was wonderful. But what we're coming to is even greater. 
But you are coming to Mount Zion unto the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. We talked about that a few weeks ago, which are written in heaven unto God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, we talked about that, that speaks better things than that of Abel. This is who we approach when we praise, worship, and pray. It says in verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Chapter 13, verse 15, as we read last week, by him, therefore, let us offer sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We talked about offering sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices last week. And the praise that we offer rises up to God, to his throne, which we just talked about in great detail. As it says in Psalm 68, verse 35, in the New Living Translation, God is awesome in his sanctuary. Wouldn't you agree? Isn't that a good way to describe everything we read today? God is awesome in his sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. So the power and the strength that you need for everyday life to beat everything that you're facing, everything that's on the earth, every new thing they report on the news flows from that throne we talked about. And because that is the truth, what should we do? Praise him every single day. Offer sacrifices of prayer, praise, and worship every single day. I've heard it said before, when we pray, we come into God's presence. But when we praise, he comes into ours. Psalm says that he's enthroned, he enthrones himself, or he inhabits the praises, the singing of his people. We've seen how this glory can be in heaven, and it can be on earth. But it can be everywhere you are if you were there to praise and worship. If you were there to sing unto him and give him glory despite what you're facing. Sometimes you have to give God what we call a yet praise. That all these things are going on, yet will I praise him. All these things happen, yet will I give him glory. All these things are going on, yet I will bless his name forevermore. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. When you don't understand what's going on, you don't even know what happened. I don't know what's going on, but I still will praise him. Even when things didn't work out the way I wanted to. I don't understand why it didn't work out, but I present what didn't work out to you, God, as a sacrifice, and I choose to praise you anyways. For God is awesome in his sanctuary, and he gives his people strength. He gives them power, and he gives them peace. The glory of God. The atmosphere of heaven. It's not just meant for there. It's meant for here. As you've heard me say almost every Sunday in this series, the first time a believer experiences heaven should not be when they get there. 
they should be so well acquainted with heaven that they can pass out samples here on the earth. You should be so well acquainted with the atmosphere of heaven that you can manifest that atmosphere wherever you go. It's the glory of the Lord. I said it's the glory of the Lord. It's the glory of the Lord. So, well, pastor, can that happen today? Yes. See, right over 100 years ago, there was something called the Azusa Street Revival. It birthed the modern-day Pentecostal movement, which gave birth to the Church of God in Christ, the Assemblies of God, and many other movements and churches and organizations. And so I have this book, and it's the testimonies of the kids who grew up in that revival. Because most of the times we hear about what happened with the adults. But what about, what, was, what, was the, what were the kids doing during this time? And so it talks about how when they would meet and that barnyard that was, that barn that was converted into a church, how the cloud would fill the sanctuary. It was normal for them to see the cloud. Not saying it was a special occurrence, it was normal. And there were days that it would get thicker than normal. And so on those days, in between the services, the kids would play hide-and-go-seek. And... No, 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 it's not an exaggeration. They would play hide-and-go-seek in the cloud. There are times in between services, the man I got who oversaw the movie, William Seymour, he was so amazed by the cloud, just like the kids, and he tried to grasp it in his hands. They were, it was so real. That was their every day. Not the once, not a special visit. It was the every day during those three years. I want to read an account from one of the kids about what happened on days when the glory was strong. He said, well, stronger? That seems pretty strong to me. And it says, of course, any discussion about Azusa turned to the Shekinah glory, which is the manifest glory we've been talking about. When I asked about her experience with the presence of God, the presence of God's spirit, Sister Carney's face would light up. She described it as being part of heaven. To her, it was like breathing pure oxygen, and to her wonderment, it was always present. When I asked her to describe the Shekinah glory fire reported by many, she told her story. She recalled the fire department coming because of a call that the building was on fire. When they arrived, they didn't smell any smoke or see any evidence of fire. She didn't run out with the firemen, but she remembered that it was Seymour Bosworth Lake, John G. Lake, Smith, and signs that ran out. Sister Carton did not did go out one time to see the flames for herself. Remember, the fire department had been called on several different occasions as passers-by would report seeing flames leaping up from the roof of the building. Finally, Sister Carney asked John G. Lake why the fire department kept coming and looking for the fire. He explained that the fire was coming down from heaven into the building, and fire was going up from the building and meeting the fire that was coming down. Fascinated, Sister Carney went out and walked about a half a block and saw the awesome sight for herself. To her, this divine connection of fire coming down from heaven and going up to heaven was just further evidence of God's mighty presence in that place. The cloud was there every day. The fire was a special occasion when it would be stronger. We're living in days where people need the glory. 
in such a way, they walk in one way and walk out another way. We have to be a place that can host the presence of God. And it's not just if the preacher's a host, the person who leads in worship that day is a host. It's the whole body together. That come knowing, like the church at Corinth did, I'm bringing something. See, every individual has part of the glory of God within them. Every believer has part of the glory of God within them. The scriptures teach us that. Every believer has a part of the anointing within them. Or as he said in King James, a supply of the Spirit. But when we gather together, the supplies come together. And those individual anointings become the corporate anointing. And the glory within us begins to combine and transform what happens when we gather. And then on top of that, there are times God says, I'll add an extra something, send something from heaven. It's the glory of the Lord. It's what we should expect as we praise and worship because he says he inhabits the praises of his people. As we praise and worship early, we could sense the presence of God coming in, preparing you for what is about to happen and for what's about to come. This incoming of the glory of God, of heaven on earth. There's enough hell on earth. It's time for believers to manifest heaven on earth. The Lord said to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if he said we could pray that way, it's time to manifest that way. That we become so well acquainted with heaven, we share it on earth and tell people there is a heaven and there's a savior who paid the price for you to go. The glory of God. I said the glory of God. I've seen it move in before, move into rooms. I've seen the cloud before. I remember one of the times I was at youth camp and the cloud just came in. I thought it was just me seeing it. And then the person who I was ministering, they saw it too. But then I found out afterward, hundreds of teenagers saw it too. And see, so you know what was funny about it? Because they had rented a smoke machine but it broke and they couldn't use it all week. And God was like, I got you. And the cloud came in. The power of God was so strong. Hundreds of people were falling under the power of God. No one was touching them. A person who was leading praise and worship was up there with the praise team and he says, this is what they're singing in heaven right now. And he began to give parts, heavenly parts, singing songs that were from heaven. And the glory of God rested in the place where teenagers said, we saw angels. They said, we saw Jesus. He was standing there on the stage with you guys. We couldn't see him, but they saw him. You know, I talked to a teenager this summer. They were working for another ministry. They happened to be at an event that I was attending. And they said, hey, Pastor Kirk, I wanna to talk to you real quick. And I said, I just wanna thank you. I said, for what? I, said, I was there that day at camp when God moved. I said, are you talking about the day the clouds showed up? They said, yes. 
There are a number of us that still talk about that day to now because it was at that day God called us into ministry. And we're serving him now because what he did on that day. When the cloud came in. The glory came in. What can it do in your life? What could it do in this city? What it could do in this metro area? See, this is what ignites awakenings. Because when you go, you realize you carry the glory. And that wherever you go, you're igniting awakening. Because you have that fire that was in heaven. And now it's on you. And in you. It's the glory of the Lord. Stand to your feet. Praise him, come on. It is the glory of the Lord. It is the glory of the Lord. It is the glory of the Lord. So we're going to praise and worship because it's the glory of the Lord. Yeah, we may go longer today, but it's the glory of the Lord. When we pray, we come into his presence, but when we praise and worship, he comes into ours. Thank you.